Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Open up to Colossians 3 if you have a Bible. We're going to jump right in. Repetition means something, right? When a teacher is in a class uh, and they say something over and over and over, you can start to get to know, oh, he's saying that again. Okay? And it's because, why? They want you they want you to know it. They want you to recognize it. They want you to be able to even make fun of them to say, oh, it's that again. Yep, good. I'm glad you know that I'm talking about that again. I'm not going to let up. Uh, our passage this morning has repetition all mixed into it, and you'll see what we're talking about. We're going we're gonna to read this morning, starting in Colossians 3, verse 11, um, where we've been kind of hanging out the last few weeks in chapter 3. We're going to start in 11, and we're going to go all the way through 17. We're going to focus on 15 through 17 today after a little bit of a review. So uh, I want you to stretch. Uh, and as part of stretching, I want you to stand as we read God's Word together. We're going to honor God's Word together um, and try to say, we want to focus, Jesus, on what, uh, what you have to say to us today. So let's, let's read this together, starting in verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's one, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony in our verses today. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You can have a seat. Three verses, three times, Christ, his name is brought up. It starts out by saying, let the, let the peace of Christ rule. And then in the next verse, in 16, it says, let the, the word of Christ dwell. And then finally, in verse 17, it says, whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, right? So it's Christ and Christ and Jesus. Paul is saying, what is it all about? Jesus. It's not just some kind of cliche Sunday school answer. The whole book of Colossians raises up the name of Jesus and says, Jesus is greater than everything. And in verse 11, Paul says, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, we are one. Jesus got rid of the dividing walls. We get to be one together. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we don't see differences. That doesn't mean we don't recognize where we've come from. We don't actually celebrate diversity in our midst, but there's a diversity and unity that happens at the same time. That's verse 11. And then Paul says in verse 12, so then, so then put these things on. As you have life together, put these things on. You've been called. You've been chosen. You are holy. And I want, I want you to put these things on. And he says things, he says things like, 
I want you to put on compassionate hearts. I want you to feel for each other from your guts. I want you to put on kindness. That kindness hurts. Kindness isn't just kindness to the people who are like you. An easy kindness. Kindness is deliberately, intentionally reaching out for the good of somebody else. Be kind to each other. He says, I want you to put on humility. That's lowering ourselves and looking at for other people first. I want you to put on meekness, which as we said is power under control. It's not just being weak and being flimsy. It's being powerful but disciplined in that power. And he says, I want you to, I want you to be patient. I want you to bear with one another. I want you to forgive one another. And I want you to put love that wraps the whole thing together. And he continues and he says, let the peace of Christ rule. And the word rule here, is go, it has like baseball terminology, even though they didn't have baseball, right? It's like this word for umpire. So in baseball, like a pitch is thrown, who decides if it was good? The umpire. Now you might disagree, but who has the rule? The umpire has the rule, right? And all kinds of stuff can happen in a game, but the umpire is the one who's leading it, is the one who's judging it, is the one who's directing it. You look to the umpire and say, what's your call? Paul says this about peace. He says, let the peace of Christ rule. He says, make it the rule. Make peace your umpire. So as you live and as you act, and Paul is talking in this section specifically about how we do this together does peace have the rule? Are, are your actions in line with peace? And not just worldly peace, but the peace that Christ has to offer, right? I think we step back and we say, so many things rule our lives. Like, what, what rules your life? For a lot of people, shame rules their life or fear rules their life, or worry, or anxiety. For a lot of people, addictions rule their life. Anger rules lives. Laziness rules lives. And we just kind of sit back and we're indifferent to what's going on. And that becomes the rule of our life. Does it, will it make me uncomfortable? Because comfort is my rule. So I'm not going to do anything that violates that. And Paul is saying, I want you to chuck that. There's a new rule here. There's a new rule. It's peace. But here's the good news. You actually don't have to do anything to earn that. If you're in Christ, Paul says, let. What do you do when you let something happen? Not much, right? How Leslie said, this is, this is a uh, posture of reception. This is, I'm going to be given something. Let is a passive verb. So I can block peace, right? I can say, no, I'm going to hold on to anxiety. I'm going to hold on to these other rules. Or you can let peace infiltrate. You can let peace take over. And if you're in Christ, that peace has already been bought. That peace has already been planted in you. You have peace residing within you need to let it rule. Okay? That's good news personally and communally together. The way that I behave, I need to say, am I acting 
in accordance to peace? Or am I stirring up dissent? Am I stirring up conflict? Am I stirring up uh, disharmony? I want to be living at peace with those around me. Peace also, Paul says, he says in verse 15 here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, that's us together, and be thankful. So the peace of Christ leads to gratitude. When we let peace rule, thankfulness comes out. Thankfulness is a result of peace, right? And uh, kind of spoiler alert, when Paul says Christ Christ, the name of Jesus, there's this repetition. You know what also shows up three times in three verses? Thankfulness. It's crazy good. In, in three verses, Paul says, and be thankful in different ways. And he starts it out right here in 15. The peace of Christ, when you make it your rule, results in gratitude. Results in being able to give thanks. Being able to see life with different eyes. So are you submitting to peace? Are you giving that the rule in your life? Or are you submitting to a different rule? And I want you to know, if you're in Christ this morning, you can refocus on what is already there. If you don't know Jesus this morning, kind of like Leslie said, like Jesus is standing there wanting to give it. And you can open up. And that peace can be yours. He already paid for it. He already bought it. He's standing there with a gift and says, I want you to have it. Let. Let it rule. You don't have to buy it for yourself. That's verse 15. Verse 16, he says, now let something else happen. Let the word of Christ dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell. This is also something that we don't have to conjure up on our own, right? We can let the word of Christ dwell in us. Let it, uh, let it become at home with us. Now, the painful reality, I think, or the, the frustrating reality, is a lot of us, I think, are strangers to God's word. Or maybe, maybe we've been going to church for a long time. Maybe we've grown up in church. Maybe we're brand new to this. But, like... God's word doesn't reside in our life. And I wouldn't say that if you memorize 150 verses as you were growing up and then you just kind of let them be and now like you can you can have lived with somebody and then move out, right? Paul says let let the word of Christ dwell. I think sometimes we settle for shooting on ourselves. Like I know that I should let the word of Christ dwell. I know that I should do that. I don't really feel the burning desire to do it, but I know I should. And that doesn't result in anything. Like, there's no positive movement with that. There's shame, but shame doesn't motivate. Shame doesn't grow anything good, right? I mean, like, imagine sitting down at a meal that somebody prepared for you and everybody else around the table is digging into it, and they look at you, and you're like, are you, are you going to jump in? You're like, I know I should. Like, what? That's not even the point. Of course you should, but like, that's not, what do you, I should? 
don't you want this? And so I, real honestly, maybe your prayer this morning, if you recognize the word of Christ not dwelling, just starts with, God, would you give me a hunger? God, would you give me a hunger for your word? Because as God's words abide in us, as they, as they become home in us, we're no longer strangers. We live with him. The Bible is not just some sort of guide, some like great guide and rule book for life. The Bible is how God communicates who he is. How he opens us up to actually experiencing him. Actually living with him. We get to know God through these words. And we get to know ourselves through these words. What does he say about who he is? And what does he say about who I am in him? And I, I love me. I want to know more about me. Part of my DNA is I'm a narcissist. right? I focus a lot on me. Maybe some of you guys are like that too. And if the Bible ever says, this is you, I'm all in. I want to hear about that. And there's a part of that that I think God delights in. God wants me to know what he says about me. He wants me to live in the identity that he's given. And that can't happen if I'm a stranger to him. And that, that doesn't really happen if I'm a stranger to his word. So he says, let the word of God in. God, would you give me a hunger? Would you give me a hunger to soak in your word? And if it's too much to handle, if I open it up like this is such a such a big book, where do I even start? Then I think, don't try to do it alone. Get with some people and say, can we bite on this together? Can we chew on this? Because I want to hear from God. You can go on a mountaintop and say, God, would you show yourself to me? And I think sometimes he answers that prayer. You can open up the Bible and say, God, would you show yourself to me? And I think he consistently does. You cannot open up God's word and say, God, show yourself to me and say, nah, not today. Like it, make me more attentive. Let, let the word of Christ dwell. And it's not just about you. So he said, let the word of Christ dwell. And you know what happens when you're living with God and when you're living with his word, you become a teacher. You get to share what's going on with you. He says teaching and admonishing or teaching and giving counsel is when you're living like this, you actually have something to give. How many of you have ever felt like a friend is going through something and they share and you just are like deer in the headlights? I have nothing to give you. Anybody ever experienced that? I have nothing to give you. Now, sometimes that's good. We're, we try to fix things too often. And we should just shut our mouths and be present. But I will tell you, the more you're dwelling, the more you're letting the word of Christ dwell in you, the more often he will bring scripture to mind to say, this, right now, this, this is what I want you to focus on, and this is what I want you to teach. This is what I want you to offer. Who are the teachers in the church? Yes. We are. You are. I get to be part of that. But Paul is not saying, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you, and as your pastor teaches, you'll grow. Let the word of Christ dwell, and you become 
a teacher, right? You have stuff to offer. You can share what you have with others. Let it, let it dwell. And then it's, he says, Paul says, it leads to song. When the word of Christ is dwelling in you, it leads to song. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Like worship is important. Worship is an overflow. That's why I'll say sing. Not just to go through the motions, not just to do the right thing, but to say, I, I want to engage. I want to engage, and I want the word to dwell in me. And if you... If you come to church and you leave saying, I enjoyed that. That was really good. I enjoyed that. I think you're missing something. I think it is enjoyable. I think it should be enjoyable. But that isn't the rule. Worship is not about what I receive. Worship primarily is about what I give, right? Will we receive in worship? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you walk out of here feeling like, oh man, I got so much out of that, then fantastic. But if you walk out of there, if you walk out of here and you say, that was dull, maybe it's you. I remember as a freshman in college, I went to, I went to uh, um, a conference and the worship leaders were garbage. Because I was like, I, because I was a freshman in college and I knew everything, right? Right? So like, they weren't really, but that's my freshman arrogance. And I was like mocking them as they led worship. And the leader who brought me kind of gave me a mom look. Like, it doesn't matter who's leading. Are you worshiping? I was like, oh, shrivel. Because my worship depends on who? Me. We have fantastic leaders. We have fantastic worship leaders here at Damascus Road. We have full bands, and we have people who like lead us so superbly. But they can lead, and you can miss on worship, right? And if you walk out of here thinking, they didn't do it for me today. That is, that's not really about them. Paul says, as the word of Christ dwells in you, it leads to worship. It's on you. Call out the name of Jesus. Sing his praise Look like a fool. It doesn't matter. It's about Jesus. When we worship, we say there's an audience of one, right? We want to offer God our worship. Now, I will also say, um, if you're not standing up, flailing your arms, and singing loudly, that doesn't mean we're going to look and, and call shame, okay? Like, you have to be real, and you have to engage where you are. And if you're not, 
if you don't even have a relationship with Christ, it's going to be hard for you to worship him. And so there's this, there's all kinds of freedom in it. You don't have to perform and be like, great, the church is looking at me and they're going to think I'm just a big failure. I want to like set us free of that. But I I also want to call us to, to something better in worship. Say, when I come, I don't want it to be about me. In the giving, I will receive. In the worshiping, I will get something back. God works that way. But I don't want to use that as the test for who I am. Are we okay? That was a little sharp. James? (laughs) Are we okay? I'm not calling you out. I'm just checking in with you. I'm not calling you out. He finishes his section and he says, whatever you do. Like whatever you do. In word, the things that you're saying, in deed, in the ways that you're living, in your actions. Let it be all in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. And as you live your life, do it all as a representative of Jesus. You represent Jesus. We represent this church. And sometimes you don't have to have words. Sometimes it's just your presence. Sometimes it's your presence can make the difference in somebody's life. But don't, don't fall for that, like, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary as a, an excuse to never use words. Right? We need to talk about Jesus. We need to talk about what God is doing in our life. And the only way that we can do that is if God is doing something in our life. If we're receptive to what he's doing in our life. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, talk, talk in a way that represents him well, that comes out of you. And three times in three verses, he says gratitude. With thanksgiving in your hearts. I need to tell you, like, Paul says stuff like in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we hear that verse, those three verses, and we're like, yeah, that's really good advice. Sometimes mourning and praise coexist. Sometimes sadness and grief and Worship and thankfulness coexist. I got, I got to be part of a really sacred time this Friday morning. Uh, Friday, Saturday morning, yesterday. Where three times now in 11 days, somebody, um, somebody has lost their lives because of Addiction. Because drugs are taking their life from them. And Saturday morning, while Serenity um, comes to learn of another death in their community on Friday around noon in the afternoon, um, watching them grieve, watching them come together as a community 
was incredible. And on Saturday morning as they gathered in a living room and had breakfast together and then went around praying, do you know what I heard? Thankfulness. Like, What kind of people are these? Thankfulness? When you're saying goodbye to three people that you'll never see again in this life. Thankfulness. And it wasn't a, I'm so thankful for this or... I'm thankful for God in my life. I'm thankful that I live in a community where we can get together, where we don't have to walk this alone. In the midst of horrendous grief, this community is giving thanks. Man, that's incredible. That is, that is an example to us about what Paul is talking about here. I don't care what you're going through. If Jesus is in your life, you have something to be thankful for. That he will not leave your side. He is right there. And he's not fixing it the way that we would want him to fix it. But he's present. And he doesn't answer us the way he wants us to answer us. But he's present. He's always present. And I can be thankful for that. Paul says, peace is yours. Now live according to that rule. He says, the word of Christ is yours. God is not a mystery. God wants to be known. He's not like hiding out somewhere. He wants to be known and it's yours. Let it dwell. Let peace rule. Let the word of Christ dwell and now live as a representative Live in the name of Jesus. Don't live under any other name. Don't let anything else rule you or be the guiding force of your life. Live for Jesus. We're going to move to communion. There's sorrow in Jesus' death. Like our freedom and our life comes with a cost, right? And there's grief. And even Jesus on the cross goes through uh, horrendous pain, calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was willing to do that for you, for me, for us. That the, the dividing walls get shattered by his pain, by his agony, by his death, and then life surges in where death was. You take this cracker, and it is a representation of Jesus and his sacrifice. He said, this, this is my body given for you. What a powerful image. You take the cup, it says, this, this is the blood of the new covenant. I'm writing my names on your hearts. You, you can't, you can't escape it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's for you. If you're here this morning and peace is not the rule and the word of Christ is not dwelling and you haven't been engaging in worship, let communion be a time to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. I can't believe that you would do this for me. And I want to worship you. We're going to take communion and then we're going to return to worship. Because no matter what we're going through, 
God is worthy to be worshipped, right? And we will. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your peace. That, Father, that you would that you would look at us and love us, that you would look at us and find us desirable, that you would look at us and, and say, uh, I want you. Jesus, that you would come, that you'd give yourself for us is incredible. And Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would come inside, that you would plant peace within so that we don't have to do anything but come awake to what's already there in you. Would you help us come awake? Would you help us to recognize you? Would you help us to worship you and give ourselves more fully to you? Help us to make our homes with you. And would you let thanksgiving come out of us? Remind us of what we've been given in the highest and the lowest of times. Jesus, we call out your name. Amen.